This is the Marketing Mimosas podcast. I'm Ashley Paragoy. This is where my team and I at Funnel Brew get to share with you all the things around being a parent, being an entrepreneur, and keeping up with the digital marketing Joneses. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into this next episode. And be sure that if you love this podcast, subscribe and leave your review. Thank you so much. And let's jump in. Hey, everybody, we are here today, and we're going to be going right into all the things around digital marketing and what tends to happen when things go wrong. So how can we improve it? How can you improve your ads? How can you improve your reach, uh, target market, all of those things to sell more and get in front of your target audience. I've got Lisa and Cassidy with me today from my team. So they're going to say hello, Lisa, say hello. Cassidy. Hello. Hello. Good morning. So we are all all here and ready to dive in. Um, So I hope you are uh, tuning in and taking notes as you go, as long as you're not driving. And we're going to jump right in because uh, there's a lot of things with digital marketing that you might obsess over that maybe doesn't need to be obsessed over. Maybe it could be pushed to the sidelines. Um, and then there's a lot of things as well that we should be paying attention to. And in, you know, just our team chat, you know, we've all agreed that it's, it comes down to these four things. And number one being your comfort zone, comfort zone, meaning, Everybody likes to stay comfortable. Everybody likes to stay where they're at and isn't always wanting to adjust to the changes that are at play. For one example, Web3 is something that I've talked about here and there, and I'm educating myself and learning more and more as I go as well, even as a marketer, because I, what I love about marketing is that it changes. It doesn't stay the same. Um, and I think that, um, I know for, for a fact, Lisa, just coming from also a strong marketing background in the corporate world, I think that she probably appreciates that part of it too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and it just, it keeps your fire going and knowing that not everybody has that makeup, that's okay, but you know, it's little things. It's, it's, Hey, you know, this is new to me, but I'm going to try it. Right. Um, if I think about the first time that I had to sell anything, um, it was awkward, right. It's always going to feel awkward. I, my, one of my first jobs in sales was at a, a retailer and I was 16 and, you know, having to go up to people and say, Hey, like, can I help you? And things like that. I had to find a way that didn't feel so script and more or less just felt more natural, like a conversation. And that's all sales are. It's just a conversation. I mean, Lisa, what do you yeah, yeah, they always say, you know, big rewards take big risks. And yes. I'm a firm believer in that. And that, you know, if you if you just stay in your own little bubble where you're very comfortable doing these couple of little things, you're not growing and your business is not going to grow either. Right. Um, right. And yeah, you just you have to be willing to put yourself out there and um 
Yeah. See what everybody else is doing. Dabble in different things. Check out the new trends. See if they feel right to you. Um, you've got to, you know, you got to be willing to do that. Yes. Yep. And the more you do it, the more you'll find your way of the things that you like. Uh, I think so many people, what Cassidy, the easier it'll be. Yes. 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 Um, so many people, whether it's, Hey, I don't want to send emails because I can't write. They're telling themselves there that, or I don't want to get on video because I don't like the way I look or I don't want to do podcasts because I don't like the way I sound. I mean, there's always these things that it's like what you don't like about yourself. And sometimes you're your biggest critic. I think that everybody is like their own biggest critic. And the way to get over that is just to try it. And the more you do it, the more you'll find your thing that is maybe a little different than anybody else in your industry, which is probably a plus it's, it's not a negative thing. As long as it feels good to you, you'll do it. And when you, when you step out of that comfort zone, like Ashley was saying, you know, you may think, Hey, I, you know, I hate designing graphics. And so I'm just not going to do any social postings. And then if you say, you know what, I'm going to, there's gotta be some things out there that can help me. And let's say you check out Canva for the first time and you get on there and you're like, Oh my gosh, there's templates for everything. Wow. It takes me 15 minutes to create, you know, 25 graphics. I can do this. Like I can dedicate Mm -hmm. an hour or two a week and knock this out. And, you know, you've put yourself out of your comfort zone and now you're, you're posting like crazy. You're getting new followers. You're increasing your, your presence online. So, you know, it really can have big rewards. Yep. Yep. And the same thing too. I mean, with uh, funnel brew and people telling themselves that they're not good at tech, like that is the number one thing that I hear a lot of. And, you know, no, no, that is your, what am I trying to say? It's like your storefront, your online space, whether that's a website, landing page, um, your email marketing platform, that is your, your, your storefront. That is the thing that people go to. You have to be able to manage that and understand how it works. Even if you have anybody else on your team or that you hire out to do like major changes, like great, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome, but know how to operate it on like a very basic level at minimum, because this is huge. It's it, it marketing, hiring marketing out is not going to get any less expensive. It's only going up because it's also now requiring even a greater skill set to be able to do it and be able to roll with the, the future of marketing where it's going. So you being out of your comfort zone will also save you money in the long run and reward you um, really big on, on or on a big level in multiple ways. So definitely of, encourage that. Go ahead, Lisa. Yeah. One of the things I hear from our students in Funnel Brew School too is, you know, they're so hesitant. They think that, you know, doing, doing things themselves and learning new things is just going to be way more time than they have. And it's not going to be worth mm-hmm. it. And I'll just pay somebody else to do it. And then we go, you know, we walk you through things one at a time. And over and over again, I hear, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I Mm -hmm. could do this or wow, this is actually really fun. I like doing this for my business and you're learning that. And now you, it's a skill that you possess that not only is going to save you money from hiring out, but it's something you can build upon, you know, and that's, that's something that's going to help you in the business that you're running now in the business you might run next week in a new product you want to launch. Um, it's just invaluable. It, it really is. It really is. And 
you know, it's funny too, now that you say that, like talking about websites and stuff, the number of people that think that they need to understand code is yeah. like phenomenally higher than I would have expected in this day and age, Yep. because 99% of, I don't know how to code. Well, I, I know enough to like be dangerous with it. I understand <laughs> it and I will figure it out if I have to, but, um, it it's drag and drop. <laughs> the platforms now just, they make it so that anyone can do it back yes. in the day. You had to have a website developer or someone's, right. you know, very specifically that new CSS coding to help you with anything. And now you can get into the code if you want to, and that's your thing, right. but you don't have to, they, the right. templates are there for drag and drop, like you said, and it makes it so much simpler. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just getting out of your comfort zone, you will be able to capture, um, a new understanding of things not being as hard as maybe you have built them up to be. Um, and know that nobody's perfect the first time they try something. I mean, on average, I would say it could take a hundred times for somebody to really capture like a new skill and feel comfortable with it. So if you don't feel comfortable after one time, try it twice, try it three times. You will find that each time it gets a little easier. Yeah. You have to just do it. You just have to choose to do it. And if you don't like it after the hundredth time and you're still not great at it, okay, we'll move on. At least you feel like you've given it all your all. So yeah. definitely. Um, um, num go ahead. You have anything else to add on that? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were going to say something. Um, number two is, is data and, and using like the science behind the data. Um, Lisa, I know that we have on our team, we have a new, a new person that is phenomenal at Google ads, yes. even though you and I know Google ads and we can <laughs> analyze till the cows come home. Um, you know, even bringing her on, we've learned new things, which was so fun for me because, you know, my background in the corporate world, I spent six years as a data analyst in research and in market market research. Um, and you and I both love numbers. We like to look at the numbers. We, they tell a story. We like to make that story, but yeah, when we brought on our newest employee, um, she had been specifically in the Google ads space for years. And, and just in the first couple of weeks, when she was auditing the campaigns that we were running, you know, she taught us new things. Um, mm -hmm. I think both of us were, were like, oh my goodness, <laughs> we yeah. didn't even know that, um, which is just so fun. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really fun and it's exciting. And, and the fact that she's, she's aware of things that Google has has almost barely rolled out. Like yes. she's on top of it and knowing that, Hey, Google prefers this over that. Right. And one of the things guys, just to clarify on this and, and share some insight with you is Google in particular, as with most platforms. Now they want you to stay on their platform and utilize their things. And my hypothesis behind this is because web three is rolling out and I say rolling out, it's actually present, but not everybody's using it. There's, there's several web three platforms and search engines and all these different things. Um, they're just not a hundred percent yet, but they're there. And what these 
large companies are doing is they're preparing for that. The smartest companies from brands like Nike to big time influencers, they are already present in the Web3 space and, and knowing that, hey, this is where things are going. Um, and with the data, what the data is showing is that any of these platforms prefer for you, again, to stay on their platforms. So if you're running ads, follow their rules. And if they come up with something new, jump into it right away because they want that. They want the users to, to utilize that tool or that new thing. Um, so with Google in particular, they have a whole lead gen way of, of capturing leads within their platform. Granted, you can have those leads go into your CRM or your email marketing campaign. So that way you can continue to market to those people that opt in. But this is something that if you're not utilizing that, and adjusting, you want to try it at least. So right now, let's say you have a landing page or you have a, sorry, you have a Google ads or any kind of ads going to a landing page for an opt-in. Why don't you try if, if the platform that you're using to advertise like Google or Facebook, I know um, has it. If, if that can go to a internal landing page on their platform to capture that lead, utilize that and test it out and pay attention to the data. Um, Lisa, if you want to dive into like what other pinpoints can the data show? And also I'll just put this out there. If you, if you guys didn't tune into my episode last week, definitely go back and watch it. I will leave the link in the show notes because I break down all these other data points and, and specific things to pay attention to. Um, but I'll let Lisa kind of also just talk about what the data can show us from a perspective of, you know, is it the ad versus the landing page or, and, and kind of, because I think what happens is people just assume it's the landing page or it's the ads not working, but that's not the case. It's not cut and dry like that. Uh, so Lisa, if you want to like talk about how that data can determine really, you know, what's going on in summary, you know, in like those plain Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when we when we are talking about data and how important it is, the other piece is making sure you get that full picture, right? So like if you're looking at your ad metrics and you see like, oh my goodness, you know, this many of pe people clicked this week and that's down a little bit than last week and you're not looking at anything else. Um, you might jump right in and change something with with your ads. Whereas if you go back and you look at your landing pages. And, you know, if you have Hotjar installed or some of the other tools that can tell you who's visiting, who's opening your emails, who's actually reading your emails. Um, you, you know, I've even gone as far as, as once I've seen who's opening, who's reading, which buttons they're clicking on. And I've noticed that even changing the color of a button is helpful mm -hmm. to, to gaining more clicks. So, you know, that overall piece helps you tell, helps kind of build that story out and say, okay, is it really my ads that are underperforming or is it perhaps my ads are doing great, but once people are, are landing on my landing page or once they've opted in, maybe they're going no further through my funnel, you know, looking at each of those pieces to determine exactly where the changes or the optimizations need to be made. Yeah. Yep. And that's all in the data. And it's not just in one data report. I mean, right. Unfortunately, it's 
it's in several and you've got to weigh the pros and the cons, like Lisa said, to know what's working and what's not. And then being okay with changing things. And sometimes that could mean changing things specific to um, a certain audience. And sometimes that could mean specific to um, what platform you're advertising on. So it, it, I don't know if you've ever Googled like, or kind of seen fun little memes even on it of, you know, here's what your LinkedIn profile looks like versus here's what your, you know, your Instagram and here's what your Facebook looks like. Like sometimes that could be different and it's because those are different audiences. So yeah, it could get really granular, um, as you go and, and change things and test things. So just be open to it. Again, it goes back to your comfort zone, getting out of that comfort zone and diving into the data. And it doesn't mean taking on this like whole new advanced skill, but if you understand those basics, like what I went went through on the uh, podcast last week, that is good. That is a phenomenal start. Cause if you understand those key basics, you'll be golden. Well, and if you're willing to step out of your comfort zone, you may learn things that, you know, you weren't expecting. Like I remember we had a client and when we went in and analyzed her ads, it actually showed us that where she thought that her, you know, main audience target audience was, I think it was females between 25 and 45. We actually noticed that based on analytics and Google analytics, that it was telling us that a large portion of her audience, the people that wanted to consume what she was providing were actually males mm-hmm. in like the 35 to 55 range. Yes. And, you know, and she was very open to, yeah. to, to change and to, to that kind of thing. And so we ended up, you know, t- we didn't have to change anything about the product, right? Cause these people yeah. wanted it. Right. But we were able to retarget some of that messaging. So instead of, you know, all of our ads being targeted more to the female audience, we were able to retarget that content so that it applied to this group of people she hadn't initially thought wanted her content yep. that did um, yep. all because she was willing to, yeah, I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone. Sure. Yeah. We can market this to men too, you know, so right. being willing may open possibilities that you didn't even initially yes. think. Yep. You didn't, it wasn't even on your radar and right. then there it's there. And you um, wouldn't know that if you didn't no. look at the data. And if you just looked at clicks or just looked at, you know, how much I'm spending, we would have never known that actually right. deep diving into those demographics. Yeah. yeah. Right. And with your target audience, I mean, it's like anything else, like you can map it out, but are you ever comparing your target audience to the audience that you're actually reaching? Right. I, mean, I don't know too many people are doing that to confirm, like, am I reaching the right audience? And if you're adamant about, Hey, like I specifically want to work with this type of person and I'm attracting this type of person. Well, then it goes back to your messaging or your, um, your offer. So maybe that needs to tweak. There's all different variables, but you've got to know what's important to you to know what that important outcome is and and then compare that to the actual data that does not lie like the numbers do not lie right so they are there and if you understand them you'll be set mm-hmm. um the third thing is is being able to resonate with your with your target audience and also um 
you know, being able to, being able to build up that rapport and being relatable. And we were talking about this earlier and how this correlates, you know, with our kids, because all of us, all three of us have, have kids. Mine are the oldest. I mean, my kids range from fifth, well, including uh, my two bonus kids, they range from 15 to 20. And then, uh, uh, yeah, Lisa and Cassidy have, have younger kids. Lisa, you know, share, share about your girls. Um, And then we'll, we'll tie this in. Like this is, this is key. And this is something that we all have to be paying attention to, even if you don't have kids. So, right. uh, Yeah. But yeah, Lisa, yeah. Introduce your girls. (laughs) So I have three girls. They're two, four, and six. Um, they are full of personality and we live in the middle of nowhere on a 65 acre farm. So my kids are constantly, uh, you know, their personalities are developing They're at those stages where they're starting to have interests. They're wanting to do things. They're talking to me differently. You know, my six-year-old thinks she's 16. Um, and as Ashley kind of brought up, like, we'll talk more about just that adaptability and relatability. Like you have to, you know, and this ties back into coming out of your comfort zone. Like you have to be willing to hear your kids and hear what they're saying and, and noticing their behaviors. Um, in order to remain relatable to them. And it's the same thing when we're talking about our clients and our customers, it's like, you need to listen to them through data, mm-hmm. through behaviors, through what they're telling you, because you have to remain relatable if you want them um, to, you know, to want to con- to continue to have conversations with you and yeah. consume your content. And yeah. Right. And Cassie, you've got, you've got yeah. one on the way and yep. also I'm- a bonus kid. And <laughs> yes, I have a bonus daughter who is 10 and then a two-year-old and one on the way, um, who is due in April. And I definitely see the difference between like the personalities in the 10-year-old and the two-year-old. The 10-year-old is much more reserved and, you know, kind of needs that confidence boost. And the two-year-old is just like, I can do everything by myself. Yeah, right. And you kind of have to like, you know, figure out the balance between those two. Like yeah. you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or anybody's confidence, but you always, but you also want to kind of let them, you know, figure out things on their own. Yeah. I feel like that's, yep. you know, it also goes back into like the marketing and the data, Um, it's that saying where you never know if you're going to like something or it's going to go good unless you try. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I feel like those tie in together. It might go over differently with your 10 year old versus your two year old, just like it might go over differently with some of your audience versus the other. Right. Right. And And, yeah, go ahead, Cassie. You just kind of have to play it by ear and that's okay too. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I mean, think about how even like you discipline each of your kids, you know, one thing might be if you take the phone away, like that's, that's it. Like, that's all you have to do versus the other kid might not even care that you take their phone. They'll, they're just happy outside and like, whatever, like, (laughs) and that's all, that's all data, right. That, that we as parents have consumed. We know their personalities. And if we know our audience that same way, then how many, you know, wins could you potentially have? Yeah. Right? And you so, could even apply that to your email marketing and 100%. Look at, 
you know, like look at their behaviors. How are they interacting with your messages? And then mm-hmm. tailor that to them. Mm-hmm. Talk to them how they want you to talk to them. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if I were to text my kids, uh, I'm turning your phone off, I'm going to get a response (laughs) (laughs) versus if I text them something simple as like, um, let me know what you want for dinner. I'm ordering from X, Y, Z. Like I might not hear from them right away. Like, I mean, it's what, what is getting them to open and pay attention and then what is getting them to take action? And that's all marketing is. And we do that, not even only just with our kids, with everybody that we've, that we communicate with on a daily basis, it's all marketing, it's all communication, and it's all about resonating and being relatable. And that's also how you do sales. Like it's, I think people overcomplicate it. They think that they need this, you know, specific way of doing it and what to offer and when and like how to say it. And it's really just about conversation. And the more you script it out, like the more scripty you're going to sound. And you also, I feel like, yeah. And I think when you're super scripted and you, you know, don't have that confidence and maybe not willing to step out of your comfort zone, your audience can tell. Mm-hmm. And you don't always sound like, you know, what you're talking about. Whereas if you're just conversating and talking about what you love and you're passionate about like that, just that is resonates with so many more people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like it sounds like you're a robot when you're yes. right. You know, when you're so, so scared to like try something or do something or say something, people know the difference mm-hmm. and they, mm-hmm. feel, you, you know, they, say if you were talking to somebody who sounds like a robot versus somebody who is, you know, so, so engaged with the conversation, they're going to go with the person engaged with the conversation rather than the person who sounds like a robot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's also why big brands are going towards influencers and why they're using influencers are going to be the number one way to market. And well, in web three and web three, I don't even know, honestly, and maybe Molly on our team or Google person, maybe she knows, but it's hard to really determine where ads are going. I know that Apple has recently come up with like an ad platform. Um, I think that they're primarily focusing on local right now. I don't know that hundred percent, but I know enough. And the reason why people and brands are going to towards influencers is because they are relatable and they're relatable to the audience that they want to reach Mm -hmm. and they don't have the talent in-house to do it. So they, you know, pay an influence, whether a influencer, a flat rate, maybe even a commission, maybe both, and they're going to reach their target audience for them. That's all it is. Um, and think about too, I, I, I'll share this story. Um, Lauren, our, our, my bonus daughter wanted something that was super random. When she texted me, I was on the way to the grocery store. She was like, Hey, can you get me? Um, it was like this beauty bar, the, like, the soap. Yes. It was like <laughs> I remember specific, you telling me. Yes. And it was totally random because it's not, it's not a brand that's like expensive or anything crazy. Um, it's, it's a generic brand, which I'm not even going to share the brand. Cause I, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Um, but anyways, 
I was like, did you see this on TikTok? Like, I mean, I just knew this does not come from her. She has heard this from somebody who has promoted it and here's why. And so that's why she wanted it. This, you know, $2 bar of soap that she wanted, like, again, totally random. And that was, that's one of the things that that's, that's how influencers are influencing the growth of these brands because it, it works. I mean, it's working towards, I mean, she's 15, um, Lisa's, uh, daughter, our oldest daughter is six and, um, Cassidy's oldest bonus daughter is 10. They are all consuming things and wanting things based on what is happening with Mm -hmm. their peers and what their peers are consuming and how they're consuming it. Um, Lisa, do you, Lisa or Cassidy, like when (laughs) your girls are watching YouTube or, or any other like video or what are they consuming? Like what, what is getting their attention? Because I mean, even just commercials. Yes. We as marketers Mm -hmm. have to pay attention to what's getting their attention because those are our future consumers. Right. And it's changing every day. (laughs) Yes. So if your brand wants to go beyond today and the next five years, the next 10 years, you know, if you want your brand to outlive you and you want it to carry on and build like an actual brand, then you have to be paying attention to these things. Like, yeah, Lisa, what's, what is Evelyn? Like what gets Evelyn's goat? Like, what does she (laughs) want or see? Like what influences her? So she loves to watch, well, she loves YouTube. So I have to like, you know, dial that down and put a time limit on it. But, um, when she wants, it's interesting because she likes to watch things where they're making crafts or they are, um, doing a science experiment or doing something. And every single episode of something she watches, she immediately turns around to me. Hey mom, I know how to make lipstick. Hey Mm -hmm. mom, I know how to make condensation in a bag. And she wants to do those things. Yeah. And it, it kind of goes back again to what we were talking about is like, if you're paying attention to what your, you know, what your target audience is consuming, it may also give you more ideas to, to things that you can create. So not even just changing the way you're talking to them, but you may realize that, you know, your, your audience that is totally buying and you've got all these sales going, maybe there's this other piece that they all really like or really want. And you throw that in and you've sweetened the deal and created an upsell, mm-hmm. you know, so paying attention to what she's, um, interested in and gives me ideas as a mom, for gifts and for her activities on the weekend when they're not in school. And I think you can totally apply that same kind of theory to, to business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cassidy, what about you? Like this does, um, does Carson, like, does she watch YouTube? Yeah. Like yeah. What, what is she consuming? So uh, same with like YouTube, she likes to watch like the craft videos and even like, yeah videos because I feel like that's a big thing right now um you know like try this new food or this is how Mm -hmm. you make this or like even like the cooking shows on like Netflix and stuff Mm -hmm. like she loves that like comes to me and like oh well can we make brownies because I know how to make them from scratch now yeah and just different things like that so I feel like you know each audience is um you know changing and it's just something that you kind of have to step out of your comfort zone for. So yeah. 
Now, would you say that the videos that they are watching, are they long form, short form, mixture? Like, I think it's a good, yeah, I think it's a good mixture. A good mixture. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And especially um, watch like TikTok. Like I think it's 60 seconds to like a minute video. Um, So, I mean, you really can catch somebody's attention in that short amount of time like yeah. it honestly doesn't take much if you think about it and I feel like a lot of people stress about that but if you like dial it back and like really see the big picture of it it's not once once you're out of that comfort zone I feel like it's not that big a deal right right and I've even seen well like with tutorial videos like what you guys are talking about if somebody is hesitant about wanting to be have their face on camera for some reason like that's okay maybe start with like where your face isn't on camera but you can still do tutorials whether that's screen sharing or actually like just having your like if you're doing like a recipe or a craft like just having your video on that thing while you're doing it so if that makes them feel better that's okay too um it's, it's interesting because I, I almost feel like there's more of that hesitation with, with like our generation and older of people not wanting to put themselves out there versus like the kids that are growing up today where it's just normal. Like they, they, I don't know that they, um, feel as as like weird about it because it's just, I mean, they've grown up with everything from the videos to FaceTime and, you know, being on phone calls with, you know, grandma and grandpa and it's on video. Like that's, they're just, they were raised like that. Whereas we were not, you know, um, we were, I mean, I had a regular phone. I remember when internet came out and it was like dial up, like our kids won't know that. Right. And um, it's like my, my two-year-old, I mean, she grabs my phone and like completely knows how to use it. I'm yes, like, I yeah. do that. <laughs> how right. do you know how to do that? And I feel like I, you know, I didn't grow up like that. So yes. I'm still, still, there's some technology things that I don't know about. And she's yes. too and knows right. about. It. I'm like, right. This is crazy. Um, <laughs> well, when I was also reading um, some stuff about web three and, and just different platforms and and this whole AR stuff, I mean, that's where this is going. It's, it's going to be, it's going to go from where it is now to video to actual like interaction within this, you know, metaverse. And there's going to be tons of them. Um, but it's going to be like events, conferences, concerts, uh, virtual offices. I mean, stores are already like, I think I was reading Gucci, maybe Gucci, uh, but like you go in and you go into this metaverse and you can try on like clothes for your avatar. And then you also get sent something. Uh, So it's this whole experience that's happening and it's going to just grow more and more. So I feel like the, the younger generation and, you know, anybody, hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's a, there's some weird gap there because I also feel like my 20 year old is going to be more old school than the 15 year old is. Um, but definitely in the future, I mean, everything from, from dating to job interviews to, um, you know, like I said, events and shopping, that's all going to be like 
up a notch. So like right yeah. now we go online, we click buy, but in the future, we'll be able to like virtually try those things on. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's very, it, it, it's almost as overwhelming, but again, I'm open to getting out of my comfort zone. And I'm all about like, oh, I wanted to learn how to do this. I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. And I want to understand it because it's, it's how our audience is going to resonate eventually. Right. Right. So, so being in the loop of all those things, mm-hmm. um, this will also lead into our number four thing, which is our last thing about not being a copycat and having confidence. And as you can see how this could play into all of the things that we mentioned about, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, being aware of the data and resonating, but then there's this fine line between resonating and being a copycat, right? Like you don't want to copy somebody. So, um, you don't want to like say, I'm going to do it this way because this person did it this way, or I took this course and this is what they said to do. Courses are a tool, right? So even with funnel burst school, the, the tool can help you get there, but you've also got to have the confidence to not, or actually have the confidence to get out of your comfort zone and make it so that it feels more relatable to you and to your audience. Yep. Right. Um, Because if it doesn't, you're not going to do it. You're not going to have the confidence to do it. And if it's a confidence issue, then I would almost, I don't want to say, um, you know, leave your marketing to the sideline because that that's not going to help, but determine what it is that's blocking you from that confidence because confidence can stem from a lot of things. I mean, it gets into coaching and, and deep diving into where the lack of confidence is and where it's not. And, and being aware that the confidence that you have now as an adult definitely stems from childhood. Like I won't go into all this stuff, but it does. And, um, Lisa, I will tell you 110% that I think that Evelyn, your oldest daughter is my spirit animal because (laughs) when I was her age, I was like a lot like her. I remember being in the car and Um, my grandparents saying to me, like, it was like an old school phrase of you're not worth five cents. You know, it's like just joking with me. And I, and I said to them, I know I'm worth more. Like (laughs) I took it so literally that, that I just, that was my response. And then another thing that they would always say to me was, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Worry about yourself because I would say, well, you know, they did this, you know, like, like maybe it's, you know, five-year-old drama, right? Well, she did that or she did that. And it's like, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Worry about you. And that stuck with me to where it might come across harsh, but I, but I don't mean for it to be. It's just like, I somehow have instilled that, that, uh, dominance, but it's, it's gotten me out of my comfort zone to not feel like so 
like um, worried about what everybody else is doing or thinking, yeah. or I've never wanted to be that like, oh, I'm going to copy what they're doing to it. Right. Right. So, I mean, I I've know noticed that, that even with Evelyn. With Evelyn. Yeah. Yes. Cause I say the same thing to her. It's like, don't worry about, you know, specifically with her, her sister, Eleanor. It's like, well, Eleanor's over there doing this or she keeps doing that. And I'm like, you know what, Evelyn, you worry about you. And I can see a lot of times when I, when I say that with, you know, and mean it, not just worry about yourself and go on mm-hmm. about my day. When I look at her and I'm like, Evelyn, you worry about what you're doing and what you want to be doing at this moment. She actually lights up and yeah. she's kind of like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want to do. And and it's going to be great, you know? And so that's probably what you heard and it's clearly lasted. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I, I sold caterpillars and I I (laughs) remember that (laughs) I sold caterpillars door to door when I was five, um, (laughs) for five cents. And, and I, I had no, like, I loved the caterpillars. Like I loved them. So everybody else should love them. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like me going around and selling something I didn't like, like I legitimately love these caterpillars. So yeah, I just went door to door selling them. <laughs> and <laughs> that was my thing. I just, I loved it. I wanted to share what I loved and I, and that's what it comes down to. It's like, if you're sharing what you are passionate about and you love it all works out. But if you're trying to sell like something that you could care less about, like, or you're just trying to copy because somebody else has this offer and you want to offer the same thing and you want to offer it the same way, then it's, it's going to come back to bite you because it's not genuine to you and it's going to hold you back. Um, with regards to like just the confidence too, I mean, your audience has a different level of confidence and they have to be confident in what you're selling. The only way that they can be confident in what you're selling and confident that the decision that they make is the best choice is for you, like for you to also like let that feeling, you know, come across. So that again, could be in your writing in how you're saying it, how you're presenting it, because if you sound at all hesitant, in any way, then it's going to relay back to them. They're going to, they're going to pick that up quick. They're going to pick up that energy, whether that's verbal, written, whatever, Mm -hmm. they're going to pick that up. Um, It's the same way that our kids pick up our energy when we've like had it, (laughs) like they can hear it in our tone. Um, All you got to do is give the look, the mom. Yes. (laughs) Right. They can hear that and, and then that will deter them. I mean, Lisa and I both have lab puppies, like from, from my mama dog and she she cares. Like if I yell at her, like, or she can even pick it up. Like when I'm, you know, if she's been chewing on something she hadn't been chewing on, like her feelings will get hurt real quick. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. And it's and now like you are also developing yourself as well as your client, your ideal customer. Um, Cassidy, just also to relay back to like the confidence and, and things like, what are, what are some things like, are you noticing with whether that's, um, you know, your girls, like your two-year-old and your 10-year-old, you know, where's that copycat confidence or is it 
you know, like you mentioned earlier, your two-year-old has like all this confidence in the world and, and, you know, does that, do you know where that stems from and why? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it, I do think it's the different personalities, of course, because it's my bonus and one is my, my child. And I think I'm so different between like their dad, like he is shy and like, soft-spoken and I'm not yeah (laughs) right (laughs) the complete opposite so and I also feel like when I talk to um the 10 year old I feel like when I say something when I give her that confident boots confidence boost you know she really lights up and she really is like okay I can do this yeah with my two-year-old I have to like simmer her down a little bit yeah right (laughs) Without, without like breaking that confidence of her too. It's just that, you know, that balance between those two, but it is, it is fun. (laughs) It's almost like as a, as a marketer or, um, as you're marketing your brand, you have to also be motivating. You've got to, you've got to motivate. And that's why too, like, I mean, you go to any conference, um, you listen to any, any entrepreneur, they talk about mindset and they talk about confidence and talk about motivation like why do you think that they do that it's because it it curates everything right if you have confidence you can get out of your comfort zone if you have confidence you can get out of your comfort zone to learn the data you can resonate at a higher level when you come across as the confident person you are in what you're offering what your expertise is what you're passionate about um one of the things I was listening to a book over the weekend and it was about YouTube and um, there was a story about this woman who loves to quilt. And it made me think of my mom because she loves to do crafts and quilt and things like that. And it's funny because I didn't get this entrepreneurial spirit from either of my parents. I don't know exactly where it came from, but you know, she's been trying to like start an Etsy shop and do all these things. And of course, you know, I'm like, I can tell you how to do it, mom, but I need you to like try, right. Get out of your comfort zone. And the story that was shared with me through this book was that this woman loved to quilt and she wanted to start a YouTube video or YouTube channel, but she didn't think in her mind that anybody would watch that. Like nobody watches those things. Well, she just started it. And apparently the first time she did the video, like she completely flopped her, her tech had an issue and she said it was awful, but she just went ahead and posted it. And people resonated with that because it was so real. Like it was so just relatable. And Mm -hmm. even if you think about comedians, like the funniest things that comedians say are the things that are relatable. Yeah, It's like, if, if they tell a joke, and you've been there, done that, it makes it even more funny because now you can sit back and laugh at that thing. Yep. Um, and the, the, this quilting channel that she started, even though she didn't think it was going to take off anywhere, it grew and grew and grew. And then um, it led down to her paying attention to the data and knowing that people wanted to be able to buy like not just her patterns, but they wanted like the whole kit. Like they wanted to know how the squares should be um, matched, how, what they wanted basically like a kit to like build the thing that she was teaching. 
So she started creating these kits and then selling those. And so now she's got this, you know, huge following seven figure business has quit her job and just gets to do what she loves only because, you know, she went out of her comfort zone. And even though she didn't really fully know where this was going to take off or what it was going to lead to, it's led down this road where she's just living her purpose. Right. And purpose is like a very broad word because I I hear it all the time of like, well, am I living my purpose? Am I fulfilling my purpose in my business? And that's a question for every individual to answer because your purpose is your passion. And if you haven't figured that out yet, you know, go down to the basics. Remember when you were a child, remember the things that you were passionate about then, because chances are you are somewhere even if you don't remember fully what those things were, they still are present today or should be. And you have to determine where that was lost and how to find it again, Mm -hmm. because everybody goes through things in life that can either bring them up or pull them down, but it's just like everything else. Like having that confidence, just continue to get back up and continue to get back up, like develop that. That's a skill. That's a way of thinking. That's a perspective. And I think all of us, you know, want our kids to, to be raised, to be confident and to stand up for themselves and, um, to love what they do to an extent, right? Like there's always those boundaries, but some people need boundaries. Some people don't need the same level of boundaries. Some people can play a game and get off in five minutes. Other people like are there all day. And so everybody's different. And recognizing that and then honing in on how you can use your digital marketing presence to fulfill yourself first, and then know that that will lead down the road of fulfilling other people, because there's people just like you that are going to resonate with you specifically, but you've got to be yourself first and know what lights you up so that you can light other people up. Exactly. Um, and guys, like I cannot stress this enough with like the web three and building your own community and collaborations and things like that. All of this is key. It's about, I don't want to say likability because everybody is likable, but it's about just knowing like who you're trying to target and, and finding your people. It's like finding your friends. I mean, it's every, every brand is going to have to become some sort of an influencer of their own to grow at this point, they're going to have to, to do all of these things. And again, with our kids, I think our kids have nailed all of these things down because most of those kids today are, you know, they're happy to get out of their comfort zone. They're happy to adapt. Um, the data, I don't know so much, um, because (laughs) Lord knows if you even tell them to Google something, they're like, what you want me to type in Google? Like I, you know, so I don't know where that's going to go, but maybe AI will help with that some, um, but then it goes back to, you know, they're relating, relating to their people. Like they are watching the things that are influencing them. They are following certain people for a reason. Um, yeah. and they all have some level of confidence and it's just instilling that and continuing that or letting that to continue to grow. Um, so this all comes full circle, you know, as a parent, as a marketer, as a brand, 
we're almost taking a step back, I think in time, because we've gone from, you know, the, the old school marketing to a very new school way of marketing online and ads. And then now it's like these platforms have to take it down a notch. Yep. And it's finding that like level ground, just like everything else. Like you always have to find balance. You have to find balance in everything. Um, and balance can adjust with time. It's going to have to just like marketing, your brand, your business, everything. You have to find balance. You have to find a way that it comes full circle. And I think that's where digital marketing goes wrong today because there's so many mixtures of ways that people think that they need to be do mar- doing marketing. And like, it's a way that is outdated. And by outdated, I could mean that it worked six months ago and it doesn't work now. Yep. Uh, because analytics, algorithms, everything changes. Your biggest algorithm is your people. Mm-hmm. Just like your kids, your relationships, you have to manage your business the same way. And that is something that is, not necessarily teachable as it is like it's practical, right? Like it's teachable to an extent, but don't overthink it. It's actually more simple than people give it credit for. I think, you know, it's, it's listening. That's all it is listening, paying attention and listening, just like you do with your kids. You pay attention, you listen because you want to raise good humans. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with your business. You know, you want your, your audience to get something, you know, whatever your goal is for them to learn or do or get or feel like you want that for them. Just like you want your kids, you want, you want the best for your kids. So if you teach, if you treat it like that as such, so important, then you're, you're going to find yourself at a, um, unfair advantage, being more simple in what it is you're doing, what it is you're creating, what it is you're offering and how you're doing it. Um, but just don't leave the data to the sidelines. Cause that one data piece could, could also make or break everything. Cause you really don't know if you're hitting that target and you're doing the right thing. And without the data, like, why don't we have a data board for being a parent? Cause we don't, <laughs> like, we have to- <laughs> There is no like, oh, you scored, you know, this conversion rate with your kid today. Like, I mean, we don't have that. We have to figure that out on our own, but us as moms, like we're doing that on a daily basis. Right. So be appreciative of that data that you can access because we don't have that in any other way of our lives. We do not have that information. We have to figure it out. We have to guess we have to do trial and error. But think of that as like the cheat sheet, because that mm-hmm. is the cheat sheet to your next move and knowing like, am I doing this, you know, well, am I, right. am I hitting the target that I want to, um, that's all in the data. You can simply check it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anything else that you guys want to share any fun stories from the weekend? Nothing. Oh gosh. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Oh, so last weekend, I know, Lisa, you told me that Evelyn took your phone and called me. Yep. (laughs) She only called me. Thankfully. Um, Thankfully. 
Well, it was funny because usually you text, right? Like, I mean, that's just how we, we communicate primarily. Um, but then when I saw a missed call from you, I, I was like, Oh, that's weird. (laughs) She didn't even like, let me make sure everything's okay. Let me make sure she's okay. You always think think the worst. I know. I was like, Oh, she called like there must be something wrong. Something wrong. So then, yeah, I, I tried calling and texting back and then you'd text it back later that Evelyn had taken your phone and yeah, I called me. She loves to, things. she, she does. She pulls it up the, you know, a selfie video and she walks around and I'll hear her saying stuff like, you know, and this is where my mom sits for work and I'm not allowed to touch her desk or anything <laughs> on her desk, but I can sit over here where my art stuff is and I'm allowed to, you know, it's just, it's funny to hear the things she says when she thinks I can't hear her or go back and watch yeah. the video she's just recorded. Yes. Yes. And that is so like, it's so gold, like for you to keep those kinds of things because it it seems irrelevant today or like sometimes even annoying, but right. uh, Right. It's like, save it to the cloud because it'll, (laughs) it'll be worth something later. I was looking at my, um, my camera roll this weekend and I had like 7,200 pictures just (laughs) just on on my phone and I was like I just can't delete any of them I know (laughs) I can't (laughs) nope because you never know um yeah it's it's crazy like the things that I mean things memories will pop up on like you know my Facebook feed from like forever ago and it's like oh my gosh like I totally forgot about that yes Um, so it's fun all right well if you guys love this episode which I hope you do um make sure to leave a review and let us know your questions. Check out the show notes um, for some important links and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.